you do like a little intro, a little bit about yourself, a little mm-hmm. bit about the company? Yes, um, I'm Nogi, co-founder of Thoughtverse. I'm also the CEO of the company. So Thoughtverse is a VR gaming uh, developer publisher, and then we have a two studio. And one is in Japan, in Tokyo, and one in the U.S. But the U.S. is all remote. We don't have any offices. And um, uh, we currently have uh, two games live. Then one is a, a sword fighting game called a Sword of Gargantua. And then one is called uh, Artai Breaker, which we just launched on the PlayStation VR 2 platform. And then now our U.S. studio is making the hero-based shooter called uh, X8. That's what uh, we are expecting launch soon. And then we actually are uh, planning the Cloud Beta 2 next week from the March 27th. A couple of words about yourself. What do you do? What's your sure. Name? Yeah, my name is Dax Berg. Uh, I am the VP of US Studios uh, for Third Verse. Um, our, uh, we have two studios. One in uh, Tokyo, which is an in-house studio, and then the U.S. studios is really kind of a global studio. We're all remote. Um, on our team, we have up to 13 different countries, actually, that we're working with. So we're very, uh, very remote, but we're working. Our main title right now is uh, a game called X8. Tell us a little bit more about it. X8. What is it? What kind of game is sure. it? Sure. Uh, X8 is a VR heroic shooter, uh, five versus five multiplayer uh, so the idea uh, for those familiar, not familiar with heroic shooters would be kind of like take the hero styles of a fighting game, um, but put those in those heroic styles, put those into, uh, a, you know, uh, a shooter, a first person shooter. Overwatch is a good analogy. Overwatch is a good analogy. The Valorant is a good analogy. Um, those style of games. So so X8, um, kind of the, the quick narrative behind X8 is it's a, uh, it's an old game engine that has a lot of first-person shooter hits. Um, and as the as time goes on, no one is making games out of this game engine anymore. It becomes kind of self-aware. And it it um, kind of eats a part of itself and then pulls all of these heroes from all these games back into its engine. And they have to fight amongst each other to get their games booted back online. So tell us a little bit about... What's going on in the VR market currently? Because even last year when I was here at GDC, a lot of people were saying that VR is kind of like, sort of like a new mobile, meaning that there is not really that many games, mm-hmm. but there is already sort of some kind of demand. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are kind of moving into this space mm-hmm. and they feel like it's an interesting opportunity. Yes. Tell us a bit more. Sure, sure. So when we first launched the Souls of Gargantua, that's back in uh, nine, uh, 2019, and uh, that was actually the Quest 1 launch date. And um, we also saw the when Quest 2 launch, um, then we saw how hype the, the software sales. So device uh, launching devices always expand the market. So I think this year is another big year for the VR because uh, two big devices coming up. One is a PlayStation VR 2, which is just launched. And then Quest 3, definitely they're coming this coming Q4. That's why uh, we're ex- uh, expecting another hype of the market growth. Yeah, that's why we are focusing on product launch this year. And um, uh, as you may know, Quest 2 is already the sold uh, 20 million uh, units. 
that is actually 20% of the big card on a console game in like uh, Nintendo Switch, something. And um, uh, it's already uh, the cat caught up with Xbox devices. And that is actually, re- the VR has a decent market already. So it's actually managed, uh, you know, uh, worse to do the business. That's why I think people are starting jumping the market again. So you work as a publisher. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, probably a question that a lot of publishers get is what do consumers want? What do they like? What do they want in terms of VR experiences? Mm-hmm. What are the tastes like? Because I feel like there's a lot of developers who don't really know. They mm-hmm. don't really know the answer to this question. Yeah. So our team member has guys kind of a variety of experience from from the non VR device. Uh, for example, I'm talking more like a PC uh, mobile gaming uh, developer publisher, and then our studio head Dax is more like console gaming experience. But our VR are actually uh, quite unique. Uh, which uh, non VR player cannot have. Then one is, of course, of course you know, uh, you are in a, the in the game. Because I always say the non VR game experiences you only can have through the two D monitor. But uh, in the VR, you are in the game. Actually, that's a big difference first. And then another big thing is we always say that. It's all interaction. Because uh, the non-VR gaming, you just use con- uh, controller, mouse and keyboard, and tap and flip. And then you just uh, uh, the control game character through the monitor. It's more like a third-person view. But uh, in a VR experience, you are going to be uh, the game character itself. But then you, you touch object. Then you kill enemies, many stuff. That to- that's totally different experience. And uh, we we know there are already many VR gamers in the market, and then what they uh, most expect is more like a new experience, you know, flying, you know, climbing. But it already exists. But uh, they are still looking for another new experiences. That's what we are trying to generate. So kind of like I guess a noob question. I'm one of those people who gets destroyed in any competitive online uh, should. <laughs> right. And then I think about uh, trying to do this in VR, and I feel like my chances are even smaller. So how do you make this work in VR that it's not disorienting and then you understand where you're going? Because like we mentioned, there's like 360 degree and you can be attacked from all over. Yeah, lots and lots of options. Um, Yeah, I had a big meeting several years ago with Jason Rubin um, from, from Meta, and he said to me, the more options you can give a player the better they'll be comfortable with. So for example, movement styles, um, smooth turn is one way. Some people have to play with smooth turn as you move and look, you kind of turn the way you want to go. I can't play that way at all. I need snap turn, snap turning with the flick. You can decide how many degrees of rotation you want to have. Um, and you can set that anywhere from 15 to 10, 90 degrees on snap. So there, that's just one style of movement, the style of locomotion comfort settings. We have a massive amount of options in our game to custom fit the player so that they feel the most comfortable in the game. As far as the game itself, it is a competitive game, so there is a learning curve, um, but we do have a very extensive tutorial and a practice mode to allow people to feel very comfortable learning all of the abilities and the things that you do within the game before you jump in. Uh, Do you guys feel comfortable launching a multiplayer title? Do you feel like there's enough 
players on the market right now that are craving multiplayer experiences and you're not going to end up with like a lobby that's half empty? Uh, we, we do. Uh, you know, with, like I said, over 20 million um, devices for Quest, plus we're cross-platform. So the idea of mm. PSVR 2, um, Quest, as well as PC VR on Steam, um, all of those players will be able to enter the same lobby and, and play together. Do you use any particular, like, is there any particular technological aspect to like the networking and making sure that it all connects or do you use some yeah i mean we use a system called uh playfab uh for our networking but there's a lot of a lot of technical things to be able to hook that up and make it run smoothly so let's talk a little bit about from the developer standpoint uh when i think about video games done for vr i think that they are shorter in terms of session mm -hmm. they are also have a little bit of a different visual style and um, how does these particular elements influence the cost of production and the time of production is it as expensive to build a vr title as you're building like a, a game for computers or is it cheaper or maybe it's faster like what are the advantages if you're trying want to try to do a VR thing? That's good to ask to Dax more, but uh, of course, if it's... Maybe maybe there are no advantages, <laughs> that's, that's also an answer. But if you try to make a high definition content, of course, the cost is going to be really higher. Because, uh, you know, everything in the VR is a 3D, you know, and a 360 environment, so you have to, you know, generate everything. That's why more lower, simple visual should be uh, uh more reasonable to develop. That that that's a that's a sense of the development in the years so far. How do you think games like Alex are are made? Like, what do you feel like I mean, it costs to do a game like that? In the Half Life, Alex. Yeah, uh, that's crazy. You remember the cost? It should be hundred or two hundred million something. That we you cannot do right now. It's, it's not affordable to do. You're talking about cross-platform. Um, what kind of technology do you use in terms of rendering? Like, do you use Unity or Unreal? We use Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. Tell us a little bit about how Unreal feels itself in the VR um, in the platform. It, it adapts pretty well. We're not on Unreal 5. We're still in 4.262, I believe. Um, we do have a VR version of Unreal. So there's a small kind of plug-in specifically for VR. And then on top of that, we we add our own little bits of flavor uh, to, to help with the game. Uh, but, uh, but Unreal has done, done well for us. We, we, really, we really feel like that's where, uh, you know, the game engines are moving. And a lot of our, our story is based on a game engine, so it's kind of funny. We, we use a lot of Unreal, yes. you know. Meta, meta, <laughs> meta. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So in terms of, like, customers and when you're going to market, how do you... How do you suggest approaching, you know, community building? How do you approach kind of ramping up the market to make sure that the sales are started like day one and so on? What are the tools that you could use to make sure that your game, especially a VR game, is successful <laughs> down the line? Like, do you work more with platform? Do you work more with a community? Do you need to have a large marketing budget, maybe a lower marketing budget? <laughs> so... um we already launched two, two titles, and um, we learned a lot. And then kind of our concept of the game development is more like community-driven. 
But uh, of course, we work with the platform, such as you know, Meta, also Steam, and uh, the SIE for the PlayStation VR2. But uh, of course, we need their support. But um, we are making content which we are selling to the consumers. So um, kind of our approach is uh, trying to talk with, interact with more communities and then try to get more feedback and then try to implement our game. I think that's a key. And then that's, uh, they have a direct answer as well. They want to do what they want, right? That's why um, we use social media, also Discord, and then and um, then uh, the build a community over there, then interact with them. What do you think about uh, platforms in general? Like, what is the platform to go to if you want to be successful in VR? Is it uh, kind of meta stuff, or is it PlayStation, or do you need to? Because uh, you can't cover all of them like at, at, at immediately, right? So you need to prioritize. So where do you think the focus should be? We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. And that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Oh dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. So that. Ideally, if you can you know, launch the all platforms simultaneously, then we can reach at all users. Mm-hmm. That's why that's an ideal case. But uh, uh, as far as we know, the the still majority of share the Meta Quest has probably uh, sixty to eighty uh, seventy percent. That's why um, I think the if you target Quest two primarily, it's. Uh, I think you can more chance right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they can expand the other platforms. Do you get a lot of support from, you know, Meta and the platform holders themselves? Are they, you know, are they featuring you more? Do they provide you some extra support and other like technical questions or something like that? Yeah, one of the our advantages are, so I live in, I live in the Berlin game, which is a Meta XR headquarter there. That's why I interact with them very often. And our Japan team, the majority of people from the, the SIE, that's why we talk with SIE people a lot. That's why we, we have a more like information from them. Now that's our advantage. Mm-hmm. I was in uh, Epic headquarters, like uh, I think it was like five years ago or six years ago. And they were really heavy on showing their VR stuff and they were using uh, VR basically in engine so you can build you know, spaces using right. VR goggles and right. stuff like that. I'm not sure this is, it was more like a gimmick or kind of like right. showcasing the technology. But do you feel like technology companies are really embracing more of VR right now? Like, do you feel like companies like Adobe, you know, like... Uh, uh, I else? think it I think it ebbs and flows. I think sometimes there's a push and then it goes and VR is, is, is trending up, but it's done this the whole way, mm-hmm. right? So it's just finding that time and space for when there's enough adapt, uh, you know, early adopters that then 
fully push it forward, right? I, I look at it the same kind of analogy of like, you know, uh, beta or VHS, you know, it's eventually like one of those hits and then that adaption moves and then you've, you've got everybody eventually will launch into it. So I see the VR space as eventually how the mobile market was circa kind of 2005, 2006, uh, where it's, it's inevitable that will, will, will really launch. It's just exactly when. You mentioned that while working on X8, you have a um, kind of distributed team. What are you looking in when you're trying to hire a developer? Like, are you just looking at their hard skills? Do you want um, people from particular region because it's better for your, um, you know, yeah. time zone? For, for time zone, for, for us and our team, we, it, it, what works best for us is anything that's not kind of in the Japan, Australia kind of realm, because we have kind of a core set of hours, usually from about 7.30 in the morning Pacific time, uh, all the way to, to noon or one. And those are times across the globe where most of the people are going to be active and on. And then the rest of that time, they fill in to kind of finish their full day. So we have some people starting earlier in the day and, and they're ending their, their, you know, their day or their evening. Uh, um, in, in all the way in Eastern Europe, all the way to, you know, uh, the Pacific coast. Is there enough uh, people right now who know Unreal and are also comfortable with VR? Or do you feel like there is like a need for more? It, it, is, it is sometimes difficult. It was very difficult hiring the right kind of networking because you're looking for someone who has VR experience. You're looking for someone who has Unreal experience. You're looking for someone who has PlayFab experience. You know, there's that, that, that gets a lot smaller as you kind of go through. But, um, you know, we have a lot of really good uh, developers who have, who've, the ones that didn't have a lot of VR experience um, have really learned the game and the dynamics and the, and, and, and the design part of it and, and the reason for a lot of the tactile experiences. Um, and then, you know, others um, have, have been in it, you know, as long as I have and, and have been really fascinated since all the way back to the the dk1 launch okay so kind of like last question for you is when when you're browsing through pitches when you're browsing through projects what are you looking for like how do i sign a contract with you what do you need from a developer uh oh uh, sorry, sorry what if, if you're looking for a new project mm -hmm. what are you looking for does it has to be a team with a proven record does it have to be an interesting IP? Mm -hmm. Does it have to be a particular style or maybe a technical okay. quality that you How do you know that it's, you want to work with this company and make a game a so success? Current uh, company goal, the vision is try to create a metaverse. It could be, if we can describe a little bit more detail, uh, it should be kind of MMO, RPG type of game. So many people you know, access at the same time, but uh, that was we need a more like a server technology. But, uh, it's as I say, as I said, in the city sixty environment, it's hard to bring them many people. That's what we have to do. Also, um no more like, you know, more the melee physics combat and shooting mechanics. Many things have to implement it. That's why we're making sort of fighting game, shooter game. But also um to um make beer market popular. I think we need existing IPs. That's what we are also talking. So that's a main the pillar we are trying to implement again. 
is um, VR development big in Japan currently? Is it like a a lot of companies are doing it, or do you feel like it's still like a, a smaller niche? Uh, it's getting bigger, but uh, not got another many VR uh, specific developers in Japan. But it's expanding right now. But uh, ideally, the big console gaming guys like you know Capcom, Konami, Sega, if they those guys if they seriously jump in the market, at that time I think is no more big exp- expansion. I think Capcom was doing some work and like with a Resident Evil series. Yeah, and, uh, but VR. they just provided IP. They didn't make it. Oh, they didn't do. Yeah, it. yeah. that's a more cool project with the mirror. I feel like when you're looking for developers, one of the things everybody's saying that you need to have passion. You need to have passion. You need to be very, you know, in, engaged and so on. Um, do you feel the same way, or maybe there are some things like passion that sometimes it can hurt that people get burnt too often or they kind of uh, get sold in one idea and then you can't push them from it like and do something else yeah i mean that comes a lot with just design there is there is a passion to make sure that the game is not just a port from you know if you were making overwatch you were making valorant or you know oh we're just going to port that into into vr space we really want a lot of interactivity so we we call them uh, GVRIs, global VR interactives that we have to have in the game. So we're trying to make sure that the things that you do, you're not just clicking buttons, but you're interacting or you're you're enhancing or you're moving in different ways and get, given a lot of different physicality. However, we do base the game around being very, uh, it's not room-based. So you can turn and spin and take a step side and lean to right, but you don't move throughout the, throughout the room. Uh, you don't need to. And the reason behind that is that our game lasts anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes for a full match. People play a couple matches in a row. And I still feel like in some ways gamers are inherently lazy where they want to be comfortable but still want to play a lot of times. So we keep that a pivot point there and, and, and you're stationary. Um, but we do have a lot of movement from your, your center standing point. So, uh, final question. You have a lot of this media ideas that there is a game engine that's kind of became yeah. salient and the, he starts to do things on him. Where does that come from? And do you feel like market right, currently is ready for kind of these kind of story pitches? So, because it sounds like a, what you're saying is basically it's a, it feels to me is like there's like this audience that, first of all, knows what a game engine is yeah. and it's large enough to you know get you enough players i i think post uh epic Fortnite, where unreal became its real own entity and has grown very big i think the cat like an average video gamer knows what a game engine is these days um and also the narrative on the game is a pretty small part of the actual game itself so the game mechanics themselves with each hero having their own heroic abilities and the casting system that you use it's not really adhering to a narrative is that narrative is a nice way to kind of put it all together and 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 make it fun and make it have some sort of background sense thanks for enjoying another episode of the 80 level roundtable podcast check out upcoming episodes on the 80 level website at 80.lv join our career site at 80.lv slash rfp and share our podcast with friends and on your social networks